Hey guys, welcome back to Nomad Wolf. You're tuning in to episode 10 with e-commerce revenue optimizer, Joseph Liu. I looked out a window and I was like, damn, what am I gonna do? Uh, I'm leaving the, all this like, uh, my career and my friends behind and you know, I'm going to Australia soon. I'm going to US first, uh, but I think I need to pick up a new skill and you know, so I can work remotely. I was uh, struggling. I was struggling, you know, with my career options. You know, it's very stressful. So I, I literally went on a binge for like three days of just googling uh, remote jobs. Ever fallen into the comparison trap? You might be left wondering how some people were able to create that largely disruptive company, collaborate with this incredible brand, or just simply monetize their passions right off of their laptop from God knows where. You're left inspired and hungrier than ever to create a business that will give you access to your unique version of freedom. But the only question is, how? My name is Glenn Gabriel and this is the Nomad Wolf Podcast, a show that features creators, game changers, rule breakers, trendsetters, pretty much anyone around the world with the appetite to challenge the status quo. Behind their successes and failures, we dive into their stories filled with actionable advice and growth hacks that aim to equip location-independent minds everywhere so that they can answer their own life's question by constantly exploring their potential. We hope you find what you've been looking for or what's been looking for you. My name is Joseph Liu. Um, everybody calls me Joe. I am originally from Taiwan, from Taipei. And I moved out of Taiwan when I was 18 after, after high school, went to college in Bangkok. And uh, I was there for, uh, wow, six and a half, seven years, quite a while. And then went to the U.S. for a little bit and then came to Australia um, in May 2019, which was uh, three, three months ago. And what I do is I help e-commerce companies. Um, generate more revenue, make them more money, basically. Hell yeah. And um, I don't know if you guys tuned in to our little coffee talk, but Joe dropped tremendous value in that episode. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend you do that before jumping into this one. But anyways, we're already here. So Joe, you're originally from Taipei and you, you went to university out in Bangkok. How was that transition in, and um I guess, obviously, when it comes to jumping around cities, like finding, uh, finding a good group of friends and finding communities that you actively wanted to uh, grow in, how, how was that? Yeah, well, um, kind of like a long story behind that, but we got some time. Um, I guess, like, first thing is, like, I need to kind of just address, like, the fact that I went to Thailand for college. Like, you know, first time people hearing it, they're like, what? Nobody does that, right? Um, for, for me, um, when I graduated high school in Taiwan, you know, I took the Taiwanese version of the SAT. Uh, I was an average student in school and my, you know, SAT results average, but I did, I did have like a full score on my English. And it's always been, you know, I've always been quite linguistic growing up. My first language is, you know, Chinese Mandarin. So I was like, hey, why don't I just, you know, venture abroad and, you know, I can get more out of the um, colleges out there comparing to if I get into like a mediocre college here at home, you know? So uh, I kind of just took a leap of faith, packed my suitcases and moved to Thailand. 
So I want to move to Bangkok. It was, it was funny. Uh, I, I needed some uh, community. So I met some friends at this like beautiful place. Um, it's a church actually, it's called New Song. And from then uh, they, they have a really tight community. There's this one time, like one of the church members uh, was a CrossFit coach and he's like really jacked, right? And I've always been like the guy who, you know, likes working out. I only do bench press and, and bicep curls back in the day. Uh, that was my, my thing, you know, Mike Chang on YouTube, six, six pack shortcut. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I got into CrossFit very quickly and just fell in love with it. You know, the, the adrenaline you get from the workout and the high afterwards. And then, I mean, my first CrossFit session, it was amazing. And then I remember going home the next day I woke up and I felt like I got hit by a train. Couldn't move. Didn't go back for two weeks, but decided to try it again. And then just fell in love with it. You know, there's so much in CrossFit that you can learn from. Um, it's not just a physicality, but it's also like it trains you, give you a personality of, you know, be able to endure a lot of uh, painful situations. Mm. So that hit home for me. And I just, I love this so much that I would watch YouTube videos on lifting and like gymnastic techniques and just like studied it. Um, I was so passionate about it. Decided I would want to pursue the career of being a coach. Six months later, I, you know, I started helping out classes as in like a coach, assistant coach, uh, learning and, you know, getting more, more uh, experience. And then I think it was like probably a year, a year and a half in, um, my good friend, uh, Ron, who's from Canada, he's now the, the owner of uh, Training Ground. We, we just kind of hung out and we became good buddies and, you know, went to his gym. Um, they had really tight community as well. And then I approached him. I said, hey, um, I love CrossFit and I love, you know, talking to people and I generally uh, like connect well with people. You know, I, I think if you need any help um, at your gym, I love to help out. And uh, I'll be your first employee, you know, because he was just coaching on his own on a, on a rooftop uh, gym of his condo. He like, he like decked out, decked it out, talked to the landlord and made it into like a small CrossFit box. Wow. Very, very bare bones. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and from then on, um, we moved to a huge warehouse um, in Prakanong of Bangkok. It's like a, I think it was like a 14 uh, square meters, a 14,000 square meters, 1,400 square meters warehouse gym. And then that was back in October, 2014. And then, yeah, I was the first coach at training ground and I worked there for four years. Uh, it was a beautiful time of my life. And there are just so many people that I met out there in CrossFit gym and we connected so well um, on, on, on so many levels. Um, CrossFit is a beautiful community where people uh people achieve goals together and people become the better version of themselves together and um having that companionship when you're going through something like that is is significant you know so like it kind of segue my way in uh, different businesses from there because people that come to crossfit they're generally like people are that are in very different sectors uh in the world you know like they could be uh, asset managers, they could be English teachers, they could be restaurant owners, uh, cafe owners, or like you know, uh, people that make furniture, online marketers, uh, you know, all kinds of people. And you get to meet a lot of different um, interesting people and hear about their stories and their, their expertise and learn from them. Um, so from then on, my 
um, first experience like getting outside of my comfort zone was um, this affiliate marketing company and started doing like um, affiliate marketing work for them and learned how to, at, this, at the same time, crypto was coming out. Uh, mm -hmm. It was back in 2017. What a time. Uh, I think, yeah, what a time to be alive. <laughs> 2017, like I think it was mid 2017, um, my buddy like actually uh, did an ICO. If you, for those of you who don't know, ICO is uh, initial coin offering. It's like a tradition. It's like a new way of doing IPO back in the traditional stock market, but in a crypto uh, crypto way. So it helped out, helped him out with an ICO and marketing and some data analysis and data entry, and that was like my way into crypto. Um, so this affiliate marketing company at the same time, like wanted to do crypto as well on um, like open up their own department just in trading. So pick, picked up trading and, you know, learn here and there, obviously you can just pick up trading, right? Like you, you get smashed by experts out there. So obviously that didn't work out, but it kind of like got my way into understanding what crypto is really all about and th that there are a lot of passionate people about it. And, you know, there could be a major way to, make some money in this space, you know? At the time, my buddy, Darius, um, he is from New York and he is a fund manager from New York that's in private equity, that's uh, in private equity firm. And we connected, you know, he thinks, hey, there's something that we can do together in, in crypto space. Uh, why don't you, you know, join my company as an independent contractor, like actually learn about how to deal with investors and, uh, you know, look at things financially and and you know, learn from the traditional space. Um, so like anything from, you know, provide like quarterly, quarterly financial report to, you know, investors, to key, key stake, stakeholders and doing market research, sourcing qualified deals, anything from like corporate meetings uh, or even just like going go out and take, like be a PR and connect and network with different- uh, You're wearing many hats, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And then like very soon after, like uh, Darius and I decided to start the company um, of Veris Capital together. He has the expertise of, he, he knows so much in the financial world um, that it just makes sense, right? And I, on the other hand, had the contacts here in Thailand because I was there for so long with, you know, with all these high caliber people. Obviously, there's something had to be, you know, had to be done about it. Um, uh, and then we, yeah, it was a very cool ride. Um, I'm not really involved in the company anymore because I moved away, but the company is still running. It's doing well. We have a very uh, smart trader in the company. He's now also a shareholder, a partner at the company. Yeah, I, it was a really cool experience. So fast forward about like a year later, it was 2018, September. Literally um, a year ago. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Yeah, not even. That was like, God, that was like... like uh, 10, 11 months ago. 10, 11 months ago, right? Time, Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, fast forward, I moved out of Thailand. Uh, my girlfriend went back home to Florida and I decided to go home for a while. Um, actually, no, I went to Shanghai for like a week and then I flew out to the US. So like I knew I was leaving, right? There was, this was like October. I'm leaving my venture capital uh, fund uh, financial you know, career. I'm leaving my CrossFit career. And like, I was like looking out a window in this like beautiful condo with you and Danny. Um, <laughs> I looked out a window and I was like, damn, what am I going to do? Uh, I'm leaving the, all this, like uh, my career and my friends behind. And, you know, I'm going to Australia soon. I'm going to us first. Uh, but 
I think I need to pick up a new skill and you know, so I can work remotely. I was uh, struggling. I was struggling, you know, with my career options. You know, it's very stressful. So I, I literally went on a binge for like three days of just Googling uh, remote jobs. And, you know, when you like when you go far too deep on like analysis and so many options, you kind of like, you know, what, what's that? What's that word? How, how do you say it? Uh, analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis. Exactly. So. God, it was like stressful, but eventually I was like, hey, instead of just like trying to jump at a job that I, I don't actually qualify for, why don't I just like learn like as an intern? So I went on internship.com. I think that was the URL handle. I can't remember, but I think it's something internship. And then I saw this um, posting that says work with Fortune 500 companies and e-commerce company uh, featured in Shark Tank. Well, that's cool. Like, obviously, this posting headline got me. So, the, whatever these people are doing, they're good at copywriting. So, clicked on it, uh, put it in my resume. And at the time, there was like, uh, I think there was like two rounds of interview. First round was 12 people. Uh, and then, second round was six. And they eventually, they will pick three um, as interns that I would bring on. Uh, and like, starting out, it was like a first. I think the first three months internship, it's like a four year internship. First three months is non-paid. It's like a training period. And then the second three months, it would be like a thousand bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third three month period would be, I think it was 1500, yeah. And the last three months would be like 2000. And then from then on, they decide if you wanna hire you full time. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, um, I, I can just get other jobs while I'm at it, but learn, you know, pick up a new skill. It's perfect. So um, did an interview. It was, it was uh, I think the interview was like 11 p.m. at night in Bangkok because it's time difference with the U.S. And did the interview. And, you know, uh, I think I really connected with the, with the, um, with the COO over there, Zach. And yeah, they loved it. And, and, got into second round of interview and connected even more. Um, I remember at the interview, I actually, before the interview, I did as much research as I can, like I, cause they're an e-commerce like optimization company. They have like this uh, education side of the business on a, as, as like a different department of the, of the company. So I went on YouTube and learned a bunch of stuff just from their company and actually use some of the terms and like got ready, got myself ready for the interview and like show them that I'm actually learning a lot of stuff just from watching like their videos on, on YouTube mm. and showing them learn all that. And that hit home for them as well. Actually, it's a funny thing. I wore a green shirt on my interview to like, <laughs> so they, yeah. it's like a call to action of color, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the psychology behind it. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, yeah, and then we just got really connected and um, I just I got hired as an intern, um, fast forward. And funny thing, when I got on, there was three people, right? Three interns. Um, two of them actually, uh, one of them dropped out because um, he's still in college and he feels like he can't meet up to, meet up to the uh, expectation. Uh, and then the other one just kind of ghosted it, like ghosted oh, the entire man. internship, didn't show up for a meeting. <laughs> and I was the only one that just kind of went through the entire process. And I was learning learning a ton. Uh, I got a book from Amazon that was like a required reading material. Uh, for those who are interested in know what it is, it's called Making Websites Win. Uh, it's a beautiful book you can get on Amazon for, I think it was like 17 bucks or 14 bucks. Very good CRO book. You guys should uh, definitely read it. 
went through the entire process of internship. Like this is an intensive internship. Like training is full on. It gives you all kinds of uh, assignments and training, um, working with you know developers, communicating, assigning tasks. And I have like a web design background myself. Picked up a couple of courses and and played with it for a little bit. So I was able to really excel um, very quickly. So actually, like two months, three months into my internship, they were like, "You learned so quick. You're actually doing really, really well. Forget about the internship. We're going to hire you full time." So, so that's crazy, right? Power moves only, Joe. Yeah, dude. I, I I skipped the entire like you know thousand bucks a month and fifteen hundred and then you know all that testing period and they just hired me full time. That was a while ago. That was like six months ago. And I'm still learning every day. I'm getting so much value from the company. We have like a a very tight relationship between、uh, the colleagues at Real Girl Scale. It's such a team oriented culture. We call on each other when we do mistakes, but we also encourage each other to learn together and be vulnerable with each other and、yeah. grow together. That sounds awesome. Like, even, even like my bosses would would sometimes would tell me, "Hey, like I'm learning a lot from you as well, and I appreciate you、uh, for being on the team." And it, it's crazy you don't you don't hear that in any, any other place, you know? Yeah. They focus a lot on this team culture and this family feeling. I literally have never worked at a place that makes me feel like that. You know, shout out to Round Training Round, that was awesome.、Um, but this this company just kind of hit home in a in a very profound way. And I'm working remotely, so I don't get to see these people, you know, at all. But somehow they they managed to do this like really team oriented culture、yeah. in a company that you want to learn and go hard. Just curious, like, are you one of the only people that works remotely for them, or do they also have、uh, a bunch of other people on the team as well that works remotely?、Um, yeah, it's like a remote-based company, so most of most of the ROs are based work from home.、Um, I mean, predominantly they're in the U.S.、Uh, I'm in Australia. Another guy's in Australia. He's he's Aussie, but most of our ROs are yeah, remote-based. That's really cool how、uh, the the company BGS is able to instill such a great company culture through you know everybody working remotely. Obviously, that dials back into、uh, leadership and then also communication. What do you think are like the biggest things when it comes to communication, whether it be like tools or meetings or whatever that kind of has that really big impact in cultivating a culture like one at at、uh, BGS. Yeah, I think that's what makes our company win.、Um, is the communication is very well thought out and it's constantly being optimized. So we have like a weekly meeting、um, on Zoom, and on the meeting we will go through you know the things that stood out to us at work you know the past week and what kind of A/B split testing were we running、um, and any are there any wins and losses are there any aha moments. In your life or in your work, you know, whatever it is, share it to the group, and we kind of break down to. Before it used to be like the entire company is on the same call, but we've grown tremendously since like January. So we had to split up to two different groups, and you know, shared over there, and then eventually, and then like every month or two, we'll kind of merge again. But like it's yeah, we share our wins and losses, we share our frustrations、uh, at work and life, and. You know, shout out to the group and see if there are any responses, any people that resonate with it, or something that they can share to help with your problem on a weekly basis. And 
that really helps, you know, if you're working remotely, a lot of people don't really have that set, set that time aside and, you know, talk about their frustrations and wins and loses and be able to share and share like empathy with it, you know? So yeah. That really hit them for us. Yeah. And when it comes to, I guess, communication tools, uh, you mentioned zoom, but you, you're also client side. Uh, what kind of mm -hmm. tools do you use to communicate with clients? Do you use, um, Slack, Asana, ClickUp, yeah, so we use Slack um, for our company. So, you know, obviously uh, you have different channels. We have like an RO channel, developer channel, general channel, or just like random channel for like shit and Googles. Uh, for, for clients, we invite them to uh, our Slack channel and just communicate over there. But some clients, you know, prefer email. So we do emails as well. But yeah, mostly just on Slack. And to keep track of like between developers and um, ROs, we use monday.com. Monday.com is like a website where you can uh, assign, kind of very similar to Asana, um, mm. but Monday.com, it's um, pretty user friendly. It's easy to keep track of uh, tasks that you assign out for them and uh, the statuses. You can change statuses like uh, working on it, uh, done or being stuck. So it's, it's very helpful. Monday.com for those who want to check it out. Um, incredibly useful for um, team communication in terms of like project management. Mm, yeah, I see. So yeah, now I kind of want to dial it back to e-commerce and your role as a, a revenue optimizer. What are some of, uh, I guess, the problems that you see keep coming up for some of your clients or at least uh, some things that they might be missing out on? Yeah, definitely. So um, for those who didn't watch the Coffee Talk or listen to the Coffee Talk um, earlier, I guess last week, um, the, there are three major ways to grow a business. Uh, one is to get more customers. Two is to increase your uh, average order value or your lifetime customer value. And three is increase your order frequency, so your sales frequency. Uh, most e-commerce businesses are very good at getting more customers, i.e. marketing and FB, you know, advertising. Um, but it seems to be like it's the only thing they focus on, right? So... The problems I see a lot of companies have is they're not actively trying to get increase their AOV, their average order value. And two is they're not trying to increase their order frequency. Okay. Um, and so for, for those companies out there, um, you know, they're not doing uh, increasing their AOV is they're not really doing CRO work on their website. They're not increasing the website which is an issue, right? If your website is, you know, doesn't have a high conversion rate, you're kind of just pouring water into a bucket with a giant hole in the bottom. You know, you're losing a lot of money in sales. So being able to do um, our CR work on your website is going to tremendously help your, uh, your business um, increase, increase your profit um, without really spending money on it, right? If your store converts at 2% and now it's at 4%, it's free. Um, but now you're making a whole lot more money and your ad, your return on investment just doubled um, from, from that. So increasing order of frequency is another thing as well. Like often businesses just kind of make that one-time purchase, um, get that one-time purchase from a customer and then call it good. Uh, they're not actively trying to get a second sale from that same person or third sale, turning them into a repeat customer. Depending on what industry you're in, it is anywhere from five to 25 times more expensive to acquire a new customer comparing to selling it to an old customer. In other words, you know, customer retention. So 
you should capitalize on people that you have already sold products to because they're more like more likely to buy. Um, and not that I'm saying you should stop marketing, but you should have both going on mm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I guess like one, you know, the other issue I can think of is like e-commerce business owners are sometimes they are very um, brand and like their own perspective driven. So for example, um, they, they talk a lot about like the, how good the product is, like how cool it is and you know, how cool we are. But at the end of the day, nobody cares about you, you know, at the end of the day, people care about themselves. So you have to come up with, you know, description and answers that's going to benefit your customer as opposed to talking about how great this product is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You kind of have to harp on the, the, the customer's pain point. For example, when, whenever, whenever I create like the, the video ads for, for e-commerce products, like it's always centered around, okay, what does this product solve and what can I communicate effectively to audiences to kind of uh, make them question, oh, do I need this product? How, how can I lead them to like click order and then get them into the funnel or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can't spend like, uh, like half of the paragraph talking about what a great company you are, what kind of awards you've won, um, and like you, you, your, your past experience and you're backed by blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, nobody cares. They care about how is your phone case going to fit on my phone and how is it going to um, protect my phone screen when I drop it on the floor? Mm-hmm. You know, it is about me. And you, you're going to have to like head home for them on that for them to make a purchase. So another thing is like some companies are very like, like brand focused and they will make up like these like weird um, tech tagline or like headline for their, for the company. So like, imagine you hit on, you go to the website and then the headline is like music meet home. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Right? Like that's like a unclear branding waffle. We call it, you know, it's cool. It's like, it's fun, but like, what the fuck is it? You know, <laughs> um, wait, do we swear on this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, you're, like, you're, you're cool. Okay, cool. Oh, good. Good. Okay. Um, but like, you know, music me, me home. I don't know what that means. Like, copy that wins would say, you know, the world's leading speaker system, play any song in any room from any phone. Okay. This is cool. You know? So like it's, it's a, it's a music app for your home and you can play it from anywhere on your phone. Um, from you in any room, that's cool. Instead of saying, you know, something unclear. So a lot of websites struggle with this, right? You have a headline you don't really talk about what, what this is because you want it to sound cool mm-hmm. and with a cool but at the end of the day, like websites that win, they optimize for functionality and clarity as opposed to aesthetics. Yeah. So that's like something a lot of people struggle. They, they, a lot of e-com business struggle is like, oh, they go for the cool design and it looks nice. But at the end of the day, it doesn't have that functionality. Mm. You know, uh, the, the branding, you know, color, you know, theme could be like black and white. And therefore the entire website is black and white. The yeah. add to cart, the the add to cart button is call to action button is black. It mm-hmm. doesn't stand out from you know from the theme. Um, so a lot of people are kind of struggle with like aesthetics versus functionalities, and I I'll bet my money on it. Functionality always trumps aesthetics. 
Mm. Yeah. Uh, I guess optimizing the page for the the customer's journey as opposed to, mm -hmm. yeah, this kind of looks cool or that looks really, really pretty. Hopefully the, the person will buy. Exactly. Yeah. So like, like a lot of people uh, in business like spend so much time like building a pretty website as opposed to building a website that works, that functions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wanted to dive into funnels versus, you know, I guess website with product page. Uh, and mm -hmm. technically they're both, they're both websites. And, and I guess this goes back to, you know, functionality versus aesthetics maybe, but I guess with the click funnels revolution, uh, that's kind of taking place. Everybody is, you know, super, super into hashtag funnel hacking. What are you, what are your thoughts when it comes to e-commerce and like either click funnels or just setting up the funnel versus like somebody that literally doesn't know what a funnel is and is just like, Oh, I'll just set up a Shopify store and then a product page and I'll direct traffic from Facebook or whatever my traffic source is to either one of those. Can, can we dive in and unpack that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm a firm believer of, um, of the funnel. So, um, when you have like a laser focus offer on your page and people only see that they have a higher chance of getting distracted, sorry, less chance of getting distracted to your homepage or navigation bar or anywhere else or, you know, um, so it's highly effective. Um, and you can do obviously your upsells and downsells from there very easy. Now the, the problem is like when you retain that customer, get that information and then they come back to buy buy your stuff, they're not going to go back to directly that funnel page. Right. They're mostly going to go back to your homepage and understand what catalog you have and what kind of brand you are. It builds like a more long term relationship with the customer when you have that actual like Shopify store and page. Right. Now, I'm not saying um, because sites are very contextual. Um, uh, a ten dollar uh, sticker, a twenty five dollar T-shirt is very, very different compared to like a seven hundred dollar chair, for example, or like a thousand thousand bucks standing desk. Uh, so sites are very contextual. It makes sense to build out like, like a, a long landing page for a, you know, 700 bucks chair and a thousand bucks standing sending desk comparing to a t-shirt. You don't need a landing page, um, um, like long sales landing page, paragraph after paragraph for a fucking t-shirt, right? Yeah. You send them to, yeah, send them to a product page, you know what it looks like, what color they have. And if it fits me, bam, they convert. Right. So it's contextual. Depends on what you're selling. A lot of our clients do uh, drive the traffic to um, directly onto the product page. But what we do is we actually build the product page in a, in a very funnel way where mm. it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it's a hybrid of both. Yeah. But it's, like I said, different products, um, you can compare it. it's apples to oranges. So you have kind of have like different strategy towards it. I do believe funnels compare uh, compared to product pages convert a lot better but at the same time, it is contextual. Now, um, I will give you five, um, I don't wanna say CRO strategies, I wanna say RO strategy, revenue optimization, as opposed to conversion rate optimization, because they're more in a business than just conversion rate, right? Mm -hmm. If your product is free, your conversion rate is probably gonna be 80% or 90%. So let's talk about RO strategy. Um, number one, you can run surveys. So what does that mean? Um, when you have a customer who purchased your products, you know, maybe email them back and say, Hey, how, what did you think of our website? Um, mm -hmm. what, what was the number one thing that 
you had uh, that that could have stopped you from purchasing our products? And what qu- questions or doubts or concerns did you have? Yeah, you're just you getting you're getting to know them on a on a more intimate level. Yeah, basically, and and then from then you can probably get a lot of more details about oh maybe um, some questions won't answer. Like for example, if you're selling uh, a, a say if you're selling a a phone case, uh, and the the questions could be, oh, uh, does it fit on my iPhone 10x? Sorry, does it fit on my iPhone X S or does it fit fit on my iPhone uh, Max? You know, what's the size? And maybe you don't have like the size written down on your product page description. They don't buy it. You know, it's a very um, obvious uh, example. Another one could be if you're selling, uh, say, flashlight, and you don't list out like what kind of battery size the flashlight is using and you lose a sale, right? So it's kind of those things like um, you can find out via people who actually bought the product and they can kind of let you know their experience in a very personal way, right? And essentially you can use those, um, um, we'll call them golden nuggets that you find from these surveys and implement on in your site and which kind of brings me to the next thing. There's number one, number two thing is you can do A-B split test. So with those, you know, um, I think running surveys, it kind of make, gives you a chance to, um, we call them diagnosing issues, right? Like what kind of issues do we have on the web- website? And then you found problems via these, you know, uh, survey results, and then you can, start working out your hypothesis um, on the website and then actually split test it. So every split test is important. You know, um, we've done tests on our uh, stores and we've seen anywhere from like 10% up to 70%, 100% increase in conversion rate, uh, revenue uh, per visitor um, value. It, it's, it's really important. You have to do AB split test. Now, the important thing is if you don't have enough traffic on your website, uh, there's no point doing A-B split test because it'll take forever, right? The statistical significance to actually make a a conclusion. Exactly. So, you know, one variation might get, you know, better conversion rate and revenue per user, um, per visitor rate over the course of like two days. But when you look at the long term, two weeks or three weeks, you get better and accurate results. So A-B split testing is super important. A couple of... um, tools you can use out there is uh, the free one could be Google, Google optimize. And the good thing about it is you can really link it to your Google analytic backend very uh, easily. Um, another tool you can use is optimizely. And what we use at uh, BGS is uh, convert.com. Mm. Um, they're easy to use. Uh, you, you have like these visual editors, so you can actually just like, drag and drop, copy and paste, and just kind of design the website in that, uh, in that interface and able to launch the test pretty easily. Cool. So yeah, that's number two. Uh, number three, building out a reoccurring income core if you're an e-com business. So what, what does that mean, a reoccurring income core? Um, remember I mentioned there are three ways to um, grow a business. And number three was increase your order frequency. When you have like a recurring income core, which basically mean uh, subscription service, 
is it means people sign up for your um, for your product and you get built. It could be daily, it could be weekly, monthly, could be monthly, yeah. quarterly, or annually, right? And what the reason why it's so important is because it gives you a safety net um, for your business. No matter what happens, if you start stop running ads, you know there will be sales coming in monthly or weekly, and it leaves you um, a good amount of profit for you to sit on and able to scale from there, whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. right? So it could be as easy as like a subscription box where if you're selling, for example, uh, it could be like knee wraps, you know, protection or, or wrist wraps and we are selling a t-shirt. It could be you're selling like uh, some numbing cream or something. You can always just do like, oh, we can do 20 bucks a month and we'll send you, um, a subscription box where it has a wrist, wrist wrap, it has a knee wrap, it has a numbing cream. Yeah. Um, yeah. And something that's, t-shirt, whatever. something that's like consumable that people need to like re up on would be good. Yeah. I guess examples for a subscription based product could be a protein shake, you know, a, a protein powder. People yeah. use it. You go through it quickly, BCA, whatever, you subscribe it. Now, the thing is you have to give them an incentive to, for them to, to subscribe, right? Like it could be like uh, 50 bucks for the regular price, but it's 45 or 40 if you subscribe monthly and you can cancel anytime, you know? Um, some businesses do it well. Um, I think I know uh, some keto uh, supplement company that would do it like, they sell like MCT oil or they sell like exogenous ketones and you mm. know, it's like a monthly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those companies are huge, right? So that's important. Recurring income core, it's, it, it allows you to scale your business in a very, um, very impactful way. And it also builds a, a real relationship between you and your customer. It's not just like you saw, saw, saw us on Facebook, you bought it. And that's a one-time thing. You know, you're yeah. turning your, yeah, it's important to turn your that one-time buyer into a second-time buyer, into a third time, and repeat that process. Mm-hmm. So that's number three. Number four, uh, incorporate upsells and downsells for your funnel. So sell things that go with it. You know, if you're selling a flashlight, why don't you sell uh, a chargeable, rechargeable battery, uh, you know, mm. right after they, they purchase, right? Do you want this for 20% off and plus free shipping? Um, no, that's okay. Um, I'll sell you something else, you know, as a downsell, it could be, uh, I don't know, a batteries or, you know, something that goes with your products, right? If you're selling, um, if you're selling a t-shirt that has a cool design on it, it could be, Oh, do you want a sticker? It's the same design. It's only like four bucks. Like like a hat. Yeah, exactly. And that, that really just kind of like offset your marketing costs and makes, gives you like a better, uh, average order value that way. Yeah, because um, the, the customer is already buying or already expressed interest because they have the item in the cart. So you're just like giving them more, I guess, quote unquote, recommended stuff. If, if we wanted to reference like Amazon, they always have like packaged stuff mm-hmm. at the bottom. It's like, oh, pe- people frequently bought this together. So you're mm-hmm. kind of just kind of influencing the buyer path a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's one way to do it where you it's like in the cart and then they show you an upsell and the way I will actually do it is after they purchase, you know, input, put down the credit card information and complete the order before they hit a thank you page, like a confirmation, you show the offer. So they actually already bought it. 
So then you're, you're kind of just like hitchhiking on that uh, buyer's high, that dopamine after they bought it. And then you show them some like, add this to your order. And that will actually complete the payment purchase as well. That's good to um, know. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like some of the things that we do uh, on a few of our sites, it's on thank you page. We actually hit them with a coupon code. Like it could be 20% off on your next purchase. And they can go back to the site and do it if, do whatever they want. Or the next time they come back to it, they have that coupon code to yeah. make a purchase. Yeah. yeah. Um, and last one, number five, and I have a whole ton more, but I have to go with five. These will be it, right? Yeah. Um, messenger and SMS retargeting um, for browsing and cart abandonment. So we're talking about like if someone comes to your site um, and the messenger opt-in is like on Facebook, right? So what we'll do is the, the app on, on your site would detect, oh, this person is logged into Facebook. And what it will do is it will show up like a pop-up or it could be like a slide up, um, non-intrusive pop-up on the side. Um, and it would say, you know, want 10% off and connect to your messenger and we'll, we'll give you a 10% off coupon. Mm. And they connect to the messenger. What you can do from then on is if they're browsing, you like they took the product and then they exit it, you can hit them with a flow in messenger app. Um, we, we, we use shop message at BGS. And what it do is like, there's certain conditions in, that would trigger in an event. Um, for example, like view products, or it could be like updated cart and you can hit them with different flows. Like if they are, if they've looked at a product, but didn't add it to cart, you know, we can hit them with a coupon code, say, Hey, do you want 10% off? And mm -hmm. then, you know, here's a link and they click on it. It redirects to the site on that specific product page. And then maybe they add it to the cart already and never checked out. We could send them a reminder two hours after say, Hey, don't forget to check out. Um, the good thing about messenger, um, retargeting is the open rate is so high, you know, yeah. like if you think about it, when you go on your phone, I get, at least for most, most people, it's either Facebook or it's messenger or it's Instagram. Yeah. Right. For like, I guess for like for, you know, entrepreneurs or people that, you know, that kind of, that are more aware about these kind of stuff, they kind of stay away from it. You don't want to be, you know, so bogged down into social media and get consumed by it instead of consuming it. Um, but the open rate for messenger is so high. It's like 80%. Uh, you don't Crazy. see that in email, at all, right? Email yeah. marketing, like if you're lucky, you have like a 30%, 20% open rate. So that's like significant, right? So um, that's one thing. Uh, messenger uh, retargeting SMS is good too. You know, if they reach to checkout and they put in their phone number uh, in the checkout, which we usually we would say in the placeholder and field, we would say phone number and, you know, column, uh, required for shipping notification. So it's like, yeah. oh, I need to put in this, right? When they put in and, you know, they don't actually check out, you could hit them with a SMS flow as well saying, hey, don't forget to check out. If they don't check out then, they can, you can hit them like like uh, maybe 24 hours after and send out like yeah. a 15% coupon code and then they would check out. Yeah. So essentially like it's not causing you, costing you anything, but you're just really getting all that marketing dollar back by yeah it's all those small marginal gains that will lead into the conversion the sale or even the repeat customer absolutely yeah awesome awesome let's jump into uh traffic sources obviously when it comes to most e-commerce companies like you said i, I think like what, what was it 60 to 70 percent mostly come from like facebook what could be next in terms of a 
a diversified uh, traffic source that clients or brands are starting to explore. Personally, I've, I've heard like Pinterest, uh, maybe even Snapchat or just simply influencer marketing or even TikTok. Do you, do you have any uh, opinions on that? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't really have like a very set opinion on it. Like, you know, markets change and evolve very quickly. But like, I think um, Pinterest is big, um, especially for like, um, for women, a lot of products um, from Pinterest. Um, I think Facebook will always be there. Um, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, Google is always going to be there. People have more buying intention when they search on Google. You know, a person that searches a product keyword and you target them with an ad uh, with Google AdWords is uh, that traffic quality is very different from uh, a random Facebook traffic, you know, uh, yeah. quality. Yeah. So I think, you know, Google is always going to be, you know, very important. And so is Facebook. Um, Pinterest is big, um, getting bigger. Um, but obviously Instagram is, you know, is there as well. It, it's just such a image and like um, visually focused um, platform that people are constantly like looking and browsing, um, especially for like apparel um, for women and mm. uh, like accessory for women. Like makeup. Really well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, like a lot of influencers, um, I sell their own products. Um, a lot of the different companies, like for example, Fashion Nova, they huge, they huge, right? Like they they uh, give Instagram um, influencer like um, like for them to do a shout out on their products, and you know people buy. Like it's a huge thing. And like another company that uh, we we work with, I uh, can name the company, um, but they had um, like these. Um, like Hollywood stars uh, do shout outs on the Instagram. And the next thing you know, they have like a, I think it was like a 200, 300 K day um, mm -hmm. on their store on Shopify. It's crazy. Wow. That's incredible. Um, so Instagram is definitely out there. And especially like if you can hit home with like good influencers on Instagram and they fit your product market fit, it's, it's crazy. That could be easy money. Fully influences too. <laughs> um, are there any interesting e-commerce companies that you've kind of come across that deserve a shout out either from a, a product point of view, like they're selling something really cool or, you know, a marketing strategy POV? Yeah. So there are a couple of sites that I really like. Um, I really like movement watches. Mm. Um, that's on Shopify. They just have such a, like, you know, there are different different stuff in online marketing and online businesses. You know, you have you have good marketing, you have good conversion rate, you have good advertising, whatever. But at the end of the day, like what makes your company win is you have a really good offer. You know, when your offer is good, people is gonna buy. So I saw a watch from my my best friend Ben on his on his wrist, and was like, "That's a really cool watch. How much was it?" He's like, "90 bucks, 100 bucks." It's like, deal. I'm going to go and get it right now. Yeah. And like movement is just like such a, they have such a great product on their website makes sense. You know, it can be converted. It can be like optimized better on the site, obviously, but their product is really good. And I really like it. Um, another company that I think would be worth of mentioning is um, I think it's called Miss, Miss, uh, misfits.com. It's a very interesting concept. They, 
basically outsource, um, not outsource, they, they source in these like grocery goods, like could be like vegetables, um, mostly vegetables and fruits um, from these farms. Um, Cause you know, some of these vegetables that are a little bit smaller, a little bit too big, a little bit like crooked. Irregular, um, yeah. Yeah, irregular vegetables, they can be um, put on shelves in supermarkets. So they usually be like thrown out or sold at a very, very low price. Um, to kind of offset, you know, the cost for these farmers. And this company actually is an e-commerce company. They reach out to these farmers and source these products and put them in a box and, and do like a subscription service-based business where people can just wow. like get these like misfit products. Like they're way cheaper, like an average carrot. It's like a way cheaper product. Uh, they get like a good value out of it. And it's like a support of like, um, you know, this whole trend of like uh, being okay with who you are um and like understand your yourself and you oh know, yeah accept those who, you know are different kind of vibe they had to put the same thing into vegetables and then put a subscription-based business on it so they can get this like recurring income um on a very you know solid base and have a good branding too misfits.com really yeah cool. i love how it carries down into even their name like mitts misfits like you know like a regular shape and you're calling a, a vegetable or a fruit like a misfit. And it, it, it makes it cool in that sort of aspect. Absolutely. And uh, I guess lastly, uh, what, what's in the future for you? Uh, where do you think you'll end up? Like uh, given your like experience, like growing in uh, BGS, do you ever think like maybe you would start an e-commerce company yourself or anything like that? Yeah, I think I, I would love to start my e-commerce business um, someday when you get all these tools and resources and knowledge, you kind of want to build something of your own and put it to use. Right. And, and watch it grow. I think, uh, that makes you feel alive. Right. Um, Hell yeah. Working on something you love and you do, and you have enough resources and to find out and make mistakes and learn from it and watch this baby of yours grow into a, a you know, empire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That sounds it's awesome. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So we're coming down to our last four questions, but before I do, where can people find you or even find out more about BGS um, mm -hmm. and everything else that you wanted to plug? Yeah, absolutely. So um, to find me, um, my Instagram handle is the Joseph Liu with L-I-U at the end. If you want to find stuff about BGS, you guys can find Bill Girl Scale on Facebook. Um, you can also find Bill Girl Scale dot com uh it's kind of look at our content over there we do have some content on youtube as well but it's not really that much updated we're not really doing youtube marketing at all but yeah if awesome. you are you know e-com business and we'd love to learn more about e-commerce um not making an offer but we do have like a educational side of the uh like it's kind of kind of like a mastermind kind of thing um if you're interested in that for everybody that's listening i'll you know, link everything that Joe said um, in the show notes below. So yeah, moving on to our last four questions. Just out of curiosity, what are some of the essentials you need to have on you when it comes to your work and your life? Yeah, um, I have to have my AirPods whenever I go uh, anywhere. I don't know why, but <laughs> sometimes I don't even use them, but I just like the feeling of having them in my hands. If I want to listen to a podcast, like spontaneously, I can just pull them out and use them. Um, in my life, I also have my, my coffee, uh, my black coffee every day. It's important to me. 
Um, I like my beef medium rare and I have it like almost every day. And you know that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, those are my life essentials, beef, coffee, and my AirPods. What do you live by daily? Is there a quote or something you kind of, uh, adhere to? Absolutely. Um, um, this is a quote from, uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast and it was, um, replacing expectations with gratitude replacing expectations with gratitude. Um, mm. And that really, I really resonated with that because um, if you think about like daily encounters in life, like if, when you have too much expectations um, on someone, on some things, you, you get disappointed and you get let down and you have this like negative feeling and, you know, uh, but when you replace it with gratitude and appreciation, um, you kind of turn, turn things around when things don't work out for you, you appreciate the fact that it happened so that you can grow from it and so that you can learn from it. And you appreciate, the, you know, like when somebody asks me like, the, how there's so many things you can appreciate for, you know, but it's really simple. At the end of the day, I'm not dying. Uh, I have a roof over my head. I can, I'm full, I'm not thirsty and life is good. Like what else do you need? You know, yeah. and when you put that, when you put turn the expectation into gratitude, you start to appreciate things more, and you start to um, cherish moments a lot more. Mm. Yeah, you cultivate the awareness of you know everything that you're privileged to to really have and experience, and even down to the most basic is just like I'm living, and that's something to really appreciate and be grateful. Yeah, for. absolutely. Yeah, like you, it's 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 a sense of content, you know, and um, it's incredible to feel content and to be very calmed by this appreciation. And you know, you, I'm happy with what's given to me, and and I'm happy that I'm able to optimize what I was given. You know, all my possessions, my, my relationship with people, my body, um, and that's. That's awesome. Yeah. If you were ever to get that quote uh, tattooed on you, would you ever do that? Or if there was something that you would want to get tattooed on you, maybe symbolically or, or uh, you know, visually something that kind of calls to you, what, what, would that, what would that be? Oh, that's a good question, man. Um, I mean, dude, I've been deciding forever. Like, I, I'm the kind of guy who, like, can't decide on things, you know, if I go to a restaurant, there's more than 10 things on the menu. It takes me 15 minutes to decide what I want, you know, so. 15 minutes is pretty uh, good, dude. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've been out with you. I know you take longer. That's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it, that would be it, you know, re replace expectation with gratitude. That, mm. that would be my, my words. Love it. Um, and that brings us to our last question. What makes you feel the most alive? Um, funny, but when I, when I cook, I seal the beef 45 to 60 seconds per side, put it in an oven at 220 degrees Celsius and comes out like eight minutes after and it's a perfect medium rare. When I cut it open, that makes me feel alive. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Nomad Wolf Podcast. 
It really means so much that you guys take the time out of your day to spend it with me and our guests. I really hope that today's content here and on the blog helps you on your path. If you're a new listener and like what you hear, feel free to hit the subscribe button. We'll be interviewing more Nomad Wolves and unpacking more secrets and stories that you don't want to miss. I'm going to leave you guys right here, but in the meantime, take care, take care of each other, stay present, and do your best to move forward, even if it's only a little bit. I'll catch you next time. Peace.